commence primary ignition. Primary ignition. This is the way. This is the way. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. What is up, all of you Ugnots and Jawas out there? And welcome back to yet again another edition of Mando Talk. And this is the Book of Boba Fett after show coming to you live, unless, of course, you are on our lovely podcast platforms. We appreciate you checking us out, regardless of what platform you are on. And listen, live chat crew, I need you again. I need you again on this episode dj is out dj's got some great things going on can't wait to hear from dj and i've got some thoughts from dj about this episode so it's not just me i'm eventually gonna read kind of some things that he put in our show notes here i haven't read them yet so just like i did on tuesday which by the way on tuesdays at 6 p.m central standard time we've been doing predictions now this tuesday um, I was completely, completely, completely wrong. And by the way, if you didn't know, we are sharing spoilers for chapter five. So uh, here we go. Din Jaren is in this chapter exclusively. Like I know everyone out there is saying this. Uh, this really is like a prequel, like a setup for the Mandalorian season three, it feels like. Like, I didn't expect to get Din Djarin this entire episode. Only really his story here. Uh, I know some people out there are probably viewing that as a negative. You know, it's called the Book of Boba Fett, and Boba Fett's nowhere to be found except in the intro and then on the title. Really, that's it. And then outside of that, um, it, it was really just... The Mandalorian story. And, and for me here at Mando Talk, obviously, obviously, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of, of Din Djarin kind of taking the reins and being the head honcho of this episode. But it is something that that's out there. It, it's a feeling that a lot of people have. Uh, so, yeah, again, can't uh, can't believe what we got. It was absolutely insane. And hello to Elemental Melon. Hello to Blue Harvest Bricks. And RFB said, ooh, I got a question. We'll hold on till you're ready. We'll bring it on, RFB. And that's to everybody that, that's showing up live with me. Bring on your questions. Bring on your thoughts. Bring on your theories, what you think of this episode. Tell me in the chat because, again, just like Tuesday, you guys are the co-host. And, and you guys crushed it on Tuesday and keep on bringing those in. Hello, Miss Sunflower, and hello, Rafa. Let's get into it. Rafa says, let's talk about the book of The Mandalorian, and you are 100% uh, with that take there. I, I really have nothing else to say off the top other than the fact that this became, like Rafa said, the book of The Mandalorian was cool with me. I I'm good with it. I know that's a negative out there, but whatever. It doesn't matter, okay? This is brewing. I felt like this is something that's kind of cool. It's cool to set up the, co the continued connection and the interwebs of this Mandoverse that Favreau, Filoni have heavily teased, guys. I mean, this is this is proof in the pudding right here that all of these shows that Favreau and Filoni are co-producing and, and working on together, um, they're building to one big story. And I'm, I'm there's definitely some things in this episode that even more so touch on that that we'll definitely get to. Uh, and RFB says not one uh, or not one of us had an expect that Din would be in this that to that extent for sure to that extent ex for sure okay well let's get into it um let's just run through the episode like i always do we're just going to hit each plot point you guys keep the chats coming keep telling me what you think as we go and if i say something completely wrong let me know uh and i'll tell you what too this was a easter egg easter egg heavy episode two so i know i've probably missed some and i know some of you in the chat and some of you out there are smarter than me so let me know as soon as you hear me mess up or if you hear me miss something that was completely awesome let me know in the chat or if you're listening on podcast uh, click that discord link that's in the description okay let's get into it chapter five 
Return of the Mandalorian. As soon as that title popped up, I had a feeling it was going to be more Mando than expected. But I have to say, when we saw that that title, Return of the Mandalorian, I didn't think it was going to be the entire thing. But this episode is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And I know this is an online sentiment going on right now. Bryce Dallas Howard needs more Star Wars. I know she's been doing a season or an episode of each season that we've gotten in live action television so far that's not enough this is it's too incredible she gets it every shot she knows how to frame them it's great give her let her produce a a series i would be absolutely thrilled if she was the one to kind of lead one of these Mandoverse series, I, she's knocking it out the park. And of course, as always, the writer is um, himself, uh, John Favreau. John Favreau has written every single one of these episodes up to date. I don't know if that's going to continue. We'll see. I know there's rumor out there and, and news reports about Dave Filoni maybe next, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, let's finally get into the content of the episode, shall we? And the opener. The opener really kicks off with the bang. The Mandalorian himself dinjarin is seen at a meat butcher shop tracking down a bounty uh dinjarin then does come face to face with his bounty kaba baiz a clatoonian as he was able to track him using a tracking fob and identifies him with a bounty puck and of course we get the incredible uh, and memorable quotes here where he says i can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And uh, as he says that, that's when the action ensues. Now, in this action, guys, I didn't think we were going to see it. I thought it was just going to be on his belt, on his waist. But in this action, Din Djarin whips out that dark saber. And in the butcher shop, Din Djarin butchers every single individual that is in that Room And he even takes it as far as taking Kababai's cold after cutting him in half and only taking his head. Incredible, incredible opener. And I see we've got some action going on in the chat, so let me visit that real quick. Uh, Miss Sunflower says, this episode was so awesome that I did not mind not seeing Boba in it. Facts, I agree with you. Blue Harvest Bricks, absolutely loved the episode. One of the best bits of Star Wars TV so far. Although looking back, it does feel strange coming in the middle of the Boba Fett show. I I agree with that. It does kind of feel strange. The most Boba Fett that that you're going to get on this viewing of the video if you're watching on that platform is this bounty hunter boba fett uh baseball jersey uh, other than that there wasn't even a single shot wasn't even a single shot uh dj foster what's up dj he made it to the chat man what's up I- i'm so glad to see you so glad to so glad to hear from you he says do we now refer to this episode as rotm kind of like return of the jedi okay i see it return of the mandalorian that's a good question i really 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 like this and miss sunflower agrees with me uh, give Bryce her own Star Wars show, maybe that Bo-Katan show. Ooh, hey, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. If that's if that's legit a thing, I'm for that. She she really seems to get the Mandalorian kind of culture and themes uh, that would need to carry over into that show. Okay, let's get back into the episode again. Keep those chats coming. You guys are the co-hosts this evening. Let's keep doing it. Okay, so Din Djarin then allows the butchers to take Uh, New Republic credits if they allow him to pass. Um, And of course, you know, they're going to do that because they don't want to they don't want to get their heads chopped off. And then we get the cue of the Book of Boba Fett music mixed with the Mandalorian music, which I thought was lovely to hear. Um, Now, something that I had in here that I wanted to make sure that I that I discussed before we moved forward during the fight the beskar steel does does very well against blaster uh fire and dinjarn injures himself when struggling to wield the dark saber that was something that i didn't really know what the point of that was but then you know i i remembered in rebels they expanded upon whenever kanan is trying to train uh sabine to use the saber they kind of express the heaviness the difficulty uh, of wielding this thing and i'll tell you what this episode really did and i know there's more dark saber action uh, that we'll get to but i'll tell you what this episode really did was it made me respect moff gideon's fighting a lot more because moff gideon he's obviously been training and doing something with this dark saber to where in the mandalorian season two he's able to put up a pretty good fight with din Djarin. so 
that was one takeaway that I had from seeing that the dark saber, they continued that idea of the saber being very difficult to maneuver if you are untrained with it because of the weight of it. Uh, that, that really stuck with me that, okay, Moff Gideon, he's a really good warrior. Um, great at fighting more respect toward, uh, that character. But those are kind of all of my thoughts there on the opener. I mean, the brutality folks, this, this was very brutal. I mean, we, we had somebody cut in half and, and they showed it. They, they showed it. And then they also, they, they covered it a little bit, but then you hear the, the blade slice through whenever the curtains are closed. And then he walks out with a head in a, in a bag, like, come on, that, that was pretty brutal. That, that wasn't something that, that I was expecting there uh, to say the least. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Miss Sunflower says love hearing and seeing the lore of Mandalore DJ we're really gearing up for one heck of a crossover with Ahsoka and company in the near future. Absolutely. RFB. Um, he's got a question about that for later as far as the Mandalorian lore potentially. Oh, we're going to get there. And I hope, I hope I know enough of it, man. Usually, usually I've got some people helping me with that, but Hey, we're going to, we're going to do the best that we can. Okay. Let's get into the next part. It is then. Uh, revealed that Dinjarn is on an extremely interesting planet, or not not planet, sorry. It, it's just like a habitable kind of location. That's what I put in my notes, because I don't really know what to call this. Uh, if you've seen this, if there's something in Legends or, or something out there that we've seen kind of similar to this habitable, habitable location that we got in this chapter, let me know, because because I want to I want to research that a little bit more. And Din ends up taking that bounty to collect his reward to kind of like a mini club, a uh, little dancing going on. There, there was a there was a species that was kind of hitting it a little bit. And and I was kind of digging it. I laughed. Maddie laughed whenever we were watching that. Uh, loved seeing that little mini club. There it was just like exclusive little club there. You, you had to be somebody to get up there. But even though there wasn't really in, any security, maybe you don't have to be somebody. Maybe it's just just a chill, just a chill spot. Um so the one who gave Din Djarin the job ends up giving Din some credits and, and informs him that the information he seeks is down Kolzak Alley by the Heat Mint Towers. And, and when I heard that, I didn't even put two and two together as far as what was coming next. Um, I, I didn't really know what he was doing, what, what kind of um, information he was seeking. And then when it's eventually revealed what he was looking for, I mean, again, something that in the book of Boba Fett, I did not expect, did not expect to get answers for Din Djarin like this uh, from the Book of Boba Fett. Okay, we have some action as far as what this location is. Uh, Miss Sunflower says that space station was called Glavis, according to the subtitles. Okay, I may have missed that. Thank you for throwing that in there. I'm definitely going to go in there. And RFB saying, well done, that's the name. So, thank, okay, Glavis, that's the name of this space station. Okay, and then DJ says, looks like the crescent moon from Treasure Planet. Why am I blanking on Treasure Planet right now? Isn't Treasure Planet like a big deal? Treasure Planet, it sounds so familiar, but right now I, I am not clicking as far as, uh, as far as what that is, DJ. I'm sorry, I'm sure you're going to. I'm sure you're going to roast me, but very interesting place. I would love, 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 love to be here some more. Um, but anyway, as we continue down this plot line uh, of the, our story here, down this alley, Din Djarin spots a mythosaur skull on a door. It, you know, it, it's your typical uh, signet that we've seen so much. Um, and that is, is the location that he enters, and it is revealed to be the location of the Navarro Covert from season one of The Mandalorian, featuring, featuring the Armorer and Paz Vizsla as the only remaining members. Um, now, one thing that I wanted to mention in a thought of mine, and maybe just an interpretation of mine as far as that mythosaur skull on the door with it being kind of altered. Um, this is just my own headcanon right now. The reason why I think that it was altered a little bit with like the helmet, like the, the skull kind of turns into a helmet is because this specific covert believes that you always have to wear a helmet. I, I think maybe they've they've adjusted the logo a little bit the signet a little bit to fit their creed to fit their way uh and so they they put that little arch there at the top of that mythosaur skull to indicate that we're the we're the clan that always wears the lids we're the clan that always wears our our best scar 
helmets. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just diving too deep into that. That's, that's just something that, that I kind of thought of. So I figured uh, that I would share it. So uh, as we get in here, the reveal that it was the armor, super cool. Didn't know what we were approaching there for a second, uh, but then it's revealed that it's it's the armor, and, and that just blows my mind. And then Paz walks in, voiced by John Favreau, and heals Dinjarin of his dark saber wound. Uh, I'm just gonna assume that that's back to spray uh, that he spray on wounds uh, in in Star Wars, kind of like a hydrogen peroxide for us. That that was my uh, head cannon answer for that too. Uh, Din Djarin then reveals to the two that he wields the dark saber to you could tell very much to the disliking of Paz because of course you know and in later it's explained but but us probably the ones that are with me live and the ones listening we probably we probably knew um, that just based off of his house name Vizla we knew why that really intrigued him and that's explained more so in this episode for those that don't know uh, but really cool and, and predictable that he wasn't a fan of that um so the armorer then reaffirms that in order to rightfully rule mandalore the dark saber must be won by creed through combat if not it becomes a curse mandalore will be laid to waste and its people scattered and, and that's what came to fruition guys i mean the the right the, the the creed the whatever whatever these mandalorian people the way whatever this group of people are following it's it's what happened um because now obviously mandalore is laid to waste and its people are completely completely scattered um and, and again there's more explanation on that here here in a minute um, then uh, she reveals, you know, of course, I've kind of already alluded to it, that the Darksaber was forged over a thousand years ago by the Jedi and Mandalore uh, Tar Vizsla. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, folks. This is kind of Legends content that I didn't really grow into my Star Wars fandom until after kind of Legends became Legends. And I didn't really feel the need of, of diving into it. But but I, I was looking at the captions, the subtitles here, and it was it stood out to me that it that the line didn't say by the Jedi and Mandalorian uh, Tar Vizsla, but it was by the Jedi and Mandalore Tar Vizsla. I thought that was interesting. Now, something that I think I've heard of before is that the absolute ruler of Mandalore is called the Mandalore. I, I don't know if I'm completely off there, and I'm sure maybe RFB or somebody else in the chat is going to know that answer for me. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Thought that was interesting. Maybe I'm diving too deep um, into that. Okay, Miss Sunflower has a theory. Miss Sunflower says, I have a theory that the armorer's helmet, which has horns in it, is a tribute to Darth Maul. Ooh, because I believe the children of the watch is the sect that is loyal or who stayed loyal to Maul. Ooh. I like that. I really like that, Miss Sunflower. That would be that would be a really cool theory uh, to come to come alive there. Uh, I would absolutely love to see that. Let's see where we're at. Miss Sunflower says that that's right. I, okay, so I think that's regarding, you know, being called the Mandalore. Uh, and then RFB says, so Bo-Katan doomed the Mandalorians by taking the dark saber questions? I think so. I, I, I think that's that's what's teased. And I think that's what we're led to believe, at least. And that that's what this sect believes for sure. All right, let's see where we at. Where are we at? Uh, Din reveals he has completed his quest of delivering Grogu to Jedi and is offered to rejoin the covert as they rebuild and accepts with every single one of them saying this is the way and it was great to hear uh, just that that banter that occurs when that happens this is the way this is the way this is the way of course, only this time there's only three of them and not um, so many of them like like there were in the first season of The Mandalorian. So next up, while setting up for forging, Din and Paz discuss how Din uh, came across the Darksaber, revealing that he defeated Moff Gideon, for which it makes Paz question if he killed them, which really interesting moments here. Din reveals that he was sent off or Din reveals that Moff Gideon was sent off to the New Republic for interrogation, where he will face justice for his crimes. Paz questions this. Death would have been justice for his atrocities, which the armorer then agrees with. Armorer says the blood of millions of our kind is on his hands. 
And then, of course, to finish this off, Din says that Moff Gideon will be executed for his crimes by the New Republic Tribunal, and the armor says we shall see very doubtfully. So, obviously, I think Moff Gideon is going to continue to be the the not main because you know I have the theory that it's really Thrawn in the background, but like the main visual villain at least for the Mandalorian season three. So he's definitely going to be getting out of that. The tribunal is not going to uh, execute. Uh, Moff Gideon because we're not done with that character now the thing that really stood out to me here was when the armorer says the blood of millions of our kind is on his hands I have a theory I have an expectation that someday in one of the seasons of the Mandalorian we're going to learn that Moff Gideon was there on Mandalore when it was destroyed uh, and, and I think that that would be a cool connection. I think it would connect to this line that the armorer says. I think it would land hard uh, with this line that the armorer says. So that's just my own personal headcanon right now. We'll see if that, that occurs. But you let me know what you think of that theory. All right. And then we've got some more quotes from the armorer. And she just starts dropping bombs. Uh, and we get bombs visually here in a minute, but she starts dropping bombs as far as just history and Mandalorian culture and the Mandalorian way. And, and it was, again, so surprised that we got this in an episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, the quote that, that starts this all, she says, the songs of eons past foretold of the mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in legends now obviously when i when i heard that i was like "Ooh, uh we're we're saying that mythosaur is only in legends right now for star wars so that was a little bit on the nose i laughed i chuckled a little bit but i also think this is a tease for me to finally get something that i've really 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 wanted um to see dinjar and get on a mythosaur or somebody get on a mythosaur eventually at the end of this thing whenever the mandoverse has wrapped up i mean i i feel like that that would be pretty 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 incredible and maybe maybe that's that's the tease here that eventually whenever the new age of mandalore rises because of dinjar potentially uh maybe he rides uh, one of those mythosaurs. You let me know what you think of that, though. Uh, let's see in the chat. RFB says, don't think we've seen the last of Moff Gideon. No doubt. Tim Arnold says, what's up? What's up, Tim? Glad you're here. Joseph Todd. That's a new name I haven't seen in the chat before. What's up, Joseph? Glad you're here. I find it wild that you guys somehow predicted that Mando would walk through a triangular door. Though it was square, he makes a triangle with the flaps. Dude, I didn't even I didn't realize that. That is all to DJ. All DJ's credit on that one. He he mentioned to me that it was going to be a triangular door. So all credit due to DJ on that one. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. Uh, the armorer then questions Din regarding the Beskar spear he carries that he was gifted by Ahsoka. Remember, Ahsoka uh, fought and, and beat the magistrate, and that's where that spear comes from. And the armorer reveals that the Mandalorian Beskar is only for protection not weapons, when revealing that the spear could pierce through Beskar armor. Now, Din then offers this spear to be forged into armor for a foundling, in which Din requests that it be made for a specific foundling. And, of course, we know that to be Grogu. Um, he Din reveals that he wants to go and see him, make sure he is safe, even though it's not the Jedi way to have those attachments. Uh, this is completely opposite of that Mandalorian creed of loyalty and solidarity. So, so Din Jarn is set on going to see Grogu. Now, do you think we're going to see Grogu in this series, or is this something that's coming in a later episode or later series or season of the Mandalorian? I don't know. I still haven't personally worked my thoughts around that. I know there's a major tease at the end of this chapter, but we'll talk about that once we get there as far as the plot line goes. Okay, next up in the episode was, was this thing about, uh, I don't know, going back to see the, the destruction of Mandalore. And, and of course, to, to, to kind of spark this, Din asks about Bo-Katan, and, and the armor then kind of just goes on this long kind of speech these long, these different things that, that she's saying here. Bo-Katan is a cautionary tale, she says. Uh, she once laid claim to rule Mandalore based purely on blood and the sword you now possess, but it was gifted to her and not won by creed. Uh, Bo-Katan was born of a mighty house, but they lost sight of the way her rule ended in tragedy. They lost their way and we lost our world had our sect not been 
cloistered on the moon of Concordia. We would not have survived the Great Purge. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, chat, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody that's listening back. Um, I believe, I believe that the Death Watch were exiled to Concordia uh, in the Clone Wars or somewhere, somebody, some group of extreme Mandalorians were placed on Concordia, which makes me even more so believe that the remaining group of Mandalorians that Din Djarin has been hanging out with is exclusively Death Watch and exclusively um, exclusively extremist as far as following the Mandalorian way and doing the things that 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 started the Mandalorian dynamic culture. But you let me know if that's wrong. I feel like that that is a connection that we've seen. And then whenever she says that, this is when we get the cut to an incredible flashback on Mandalore of Imperial TIE fighters uh, flying through um, and just bombing, drop, dropping bombs. Um, and it, it was really great visuals, really great visual, visuals in, the, in these moments. And then some more quotes, some more important information. And I'm only directly reading this because it's that important for us to hear it more and more and more to try to, to wrap our minds around all of this. Those born of Mandalore strayed away from the path. Eventually, the Imperial interlopers destroyed all that we knew and loved in the night of a thousand tears. And this is when we then kind of get the flash moment of the capital sundari being being destroyed it explodes and of course we also get a moment where we see these k2 so kind of units i don't know what the units are called specifically but k2 units and probe droids are seen kind of wiping out anyone that remains during this flashback and then more quotes continue here we go only those that walked away escaped the curse prophesized in the creed though our numbers were scattered to the winds our adherence to the way has preserved our legacy for the generations until we may someday return to our home world so it seems like it seems like the only main only mandalorians outside of bo-katan and her clan that are left are are death watch um children of the watch those type of people so i feel like plot line wise i think dinjarn is going to become that middle ground and, and i do think this is potentially the setup for din becoming the true ruler of mandalore uh and, and he he's a he's a he's somebody that's now made connections with both sides with Bo-Katan. He's also now made uh, connection, obviously connections uh, with this this um, sect uh, of people that that he's worked with his his entire upbringing ever since he was a foundling. Those are just my thoughts. Those are my theories from hearing all of that incredible stuff incredible stuff and i'm sure there's some more diving into i wish dj was with me live uh to just run through that so much like there's so much we could talk about that i did not expect to have this conversation during the book of boba fett it absolutely uh, blows my mind on this let me go and visit the chat it's been a minute since i've kind of read you guys um rafa says, I like the legend of the curse, its culture. I loved it. The retrospective of the attack on Mandalore like Terminator was awesome. Absolutely. Joseph Todd, I don't think I want to see Grogu and Boba. Okay, that's fair. Solely because he will steal the show. Yeah, uh, Grogu definitely has that uh, effect of stealing the show. Mandu and Grogu have to get back together and stay on Tatooine for it all to make, to, for it all to make sense um okay let me read that again sorry joseph mando and grogu have to get back together and stay on tatooine for it all to make sense okay so you're saying that once once mando gets grogu or sees grogu that eventually they got to get their way back to tatooine regardless for this connection with the book of boba fett to work you're right absolutely 100 okay rfb the night of a thousand tears bomb dropped was the capital of mandalore sun absolutely yeah that was the capital that that got destroyed correct Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Joseph uh, Todd says part of the seven DJ mentioned. Oh, OK, OK, OK. I'm, I'm following now, Joseph. You're saying that when DJ predicted the, the seven uh, magnificent seven group that now Grogu is going to be part of that of that uh, group. I, I would love that. I would love that. RFB says those are KX droids. OK, thank you. Thank you. Miss um, Sunflower says that seems like it. Caleb, the Mandos in Concordia are all Death Watch. So are all the Mandos left all Death Watch? <sighs> seems and RFB says it seems to be. It, it really seems to be that way. That that's just my take. 
and then we got some Rafa in the chat again. I think we will see Grogu on the season three of the Mandalorian. The gift that Mando made to Grogu could be pieces from the Grogu's lightsaber. And oh, could be pieces for the Grogu's lightsaber. And Luke will train Mando to use the dark saber. Ooh. That would be cool. That would be cool. Now, I do think if we go that deep, I think that's a Mando three storyline personally and i think you're kind of going that route too miss sunflower says i have another theory considering book of boba fett is like mando 2.5 i feel like boba will mentor din on how to rule mandalore with respect i like that we've gotten that line a lot that that we're supposed to be ruling with respect that'd be a cool little connection uh blue harvest bricks the mandalore visuals were simply amazing terminator visuals yeah yeah you're right it, it was absolutely stunning everything that we saw there on Mandalore was stunning and I, I hope to go back and guys it seems like the end game of the Mandalorian the Mandoverse is to get the Mandalorian people back on Mandalore I think we're going that direction I think we're going that direction okay let's get back into the plot I appreciate I appreciate all of the the chat responses here um, that y'all are you're bringing in here, especially with DJ gone. It really helps as far as getting some other theories, other thoughts, other predictions. Because like I've always said, I like hearing you guys more than I like hearing myself. So keep them coming. Okay, Dinjarin begins training with a dark saber with the armor, but is interrupted by Paz challenging Dinjarin to duel for the dark saber. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I feel like this is something that. Um, I've seen online, of course, it's not confirmed, but I'm not somebody that that dives deep into the languages, but I've seen people say that whenever they were training, the armor was counting in Mandoa. Uh, that would be a really cool connection if that is, in fact, true. Now, this fight for the Darksaber, not something that I was surprised by. It would make sense for Paz to challenge since it, it's in his family. Uh, really cool vibro blade love to see that in action of course this is dj would roast me for saying that this is recency but it reminds me of the chris blade or the chris knife that we saw in dune uh but of course you know i'm not saying that it's copy in dune i just think that that's what it reminded me of when i saw it even though we saw the the vibro blade literally like what two years ago in season one of the mandalorian so that's just you know thoughts thoughts on that um and then the shield we've seen that shield before uh, in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. Really cool moment. And just all of this action was great. The fight between these two, the fact that these two beastly dudes, especially Paz, couldn't even really move the Darksaber uh, effectively by the end of this thing because it just gets so heavy. Um, so great, great, great action. And man, the the shininess uh, of the, of the Darksaber on Din Djarin's armor, man, it's just so cool. Like, I can't get over the visuals of this scene and, and everything that transpired whenever Din Djarin's with this group. It's absolutely, absolutely insane. So after Din Djarin then wins the, the duel, the armorer questions Paz and Din Djarin if they had ever removed their helmet or if another ever removed it. And honestly... Din, I was, I thought Din Djarin was going to lie there for a second. Uh, and then, but he tells the truth and the armor proclaims that Din is no longer a Mandalorian. The armor reveals that according to Creed, one may only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, which have all been destroyed. We just got that explanation. Uh, so Din's kind of left not knowing what to do, uh, but he ends up picking up the dark saber and leaves the covert. And so I think that he's probably going to follow up on that living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore thing. Uh, again, because I'm somebody that believes we're going back to Mandalore and I'm somebody that believes we're eventually going to see Mandalore living again uh, and people there and Mandalorians there. But we'll see. You let me know if you believe that's going to happen. OK, Miss Sunflower says, I feel like before we leave these moments, let me go to the chat. Uh, one more time before we continue on with the plot. Miss Sunflower says, I feel like the gift is Beskar Chainmail. That would be cool. It certainly looked like that was teased with the remnants, like the itty bitty pieces uh, that were that were shown. Joseph Todd says the battle for the dark saber saber gave me Black Panther vibes. I could see that, Joseph. I like that. I always like whenever we can make connections to to, to marvel here uh miss sunflower din defeated paz and as stickler to rules and traditions paz and the armorer will honor din's legitimate claim to mandalore 
So if Bo or any Mando questions this claim, hopefully they will back him up. You know, and I didn't even think about that, uh, Miss Sunflower. I didn't think about the possibility of the armorer and Paz uh, to eventually honor Din's claim because of the saber that that he has. Uh, I just thought that because he removed his helmet immediately, they don't view him as legit. Uh, that's just my current thought. And maybe that's just because it's been such a heavy plot line throughout the Mandoverse so far. And I, and I can finally say Mandoverse because this is the Mandalorian crossing over into the Book of Boba Fett. And this is all telling one big story. Uh, so far, Din removing the helmet has been probably top three, top five, at least uh, plot points of this Mandoverse so far. So I feel like that's a big deal to them. If they do end up honoring Din's claim to Mandalore because of his saber, I think it's going to take a while uh, to get to that moment. Okay, let's leave the covert, unfortunately, because, man, that stuff was super cool, super cool. And, of course, you know, you throw you throw people, you throw ideas out saying that, you know, we're eventually going to try to get back to Mandalore. We, we, we want House Vizsla, House whatever, to be powerful. Guys, you know how I am. Game of Thrones. It gave me Game of Thrones vibes. I can't help it. And John Favreau has said himself in quotes that he hopes to tell this overarching story Game of Thrones style. So I see it, John. I see it, and I'm loving what you're putting down. Okay, before we move on, Rafa says one last thing here. The coolest thing was that he was like a review of what – oh, the coolest thing was this was like a review of what happened with Bo on Rebels. Absolutely. It's kind of like a yeah, it's a follow up to that. Absolutely, Rafa. Great call, great call. And maybe that's why I enjoy this story so much. Is because guys, you know, I love Rebels, and Rebels really dives into more before the Mandalorian. It it dove into Mandalorian culture, probably arguably the most visually at least in canon. But but now we're getting that in live action, and, and it's super cool. All right, so Dinjarin leaves the covert, and he gets on a flight to Tatooine, but not uh, before having to remove his weapons. I thought that was cool. We saw one of those deep. It, I'm pretty sure I don't again uh, RFB or somebody in the chat help me out here. Uh, I know that this is the droid unit that's like the DJ at, at Galaxy's Edge at, at Disney. Um, but I'm blanking on the unit uh, unit's name right now. Uh, but Din gets on that flight to Tatooine. And when he's aboard the flight, a young Rodian is in awe of Din Djarin, which I interpreted as Din was then reminded of Grogu because he saw like the father of that. Rodian kind of say, no, you need to focus on me. You don't don't get in that Mandalorian's face. And, and that made Din think of taking care of Grogu. And that makes him want that makes him pull out the the wrapping that um, that the armor gave him for the gift that's given to and chats telling me RFB Miss Sunflower saying RX Troy. Thank you. Um, he pulls out the Mandalorian armor, the best car, whatever it is. He pulls that out. And it's wrapped just like Grogu's face. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, beautiful. You know, I didn't get emotional, but like when you see it, you you just make that sad face. Uh, you're like, oh, oh, that's so tough. It's so tough that he's not with Grogu. And you can tell. And you know what? Maddie, uh, my wife, Maddie, whenever we were watching it together and Din Djarin was on the elevator after he had made the delivery of the head and he's on the elevator alone, like kind of looking at his leg. Maddie said he looks sad. He looks sad. He, he looks like he's missing somebody. And and I agree with that. And I felt the need to repeat it because I agree with it so much. Um, and he's definitely struggling with some things. He, he feels like he's missing out for sure. And, and you can tell that he longs to see uh, Grogu again. Okay, so Din officially then arrives on Tatooine. He gets his armor back and he goes to, or not armor back, he gets his weapons back and he goes to uh, Pelimoto to purchase a replacement for the Razor Crest. Joseph says, not going to lie, I got emotional. Hey, no shame. No shame. I, I, I was almost there. I was really, really, really almost there, especially with the music whenever he pulled that out. And, and I feel like on a second watch, I heard Grogu giggles in, in the music, too. Like, ooh, that, that really got me. Um, but, yeah, we get to Pelimoto's, and we see a BD droid that is spotted with, of course, the familiar pit droids and R5. Uh, really cool connections. And, of course, the BD droid in live action. This is a direct connection to Jedi Fallen Order. Great. 
And later in the episode, whenever he does his little droid pause up and down out of excitement, come on, come on, guys. They they know it. Bryce Dallas Howard, John Favreau, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing with this stuff. Uh, the replacement for the Razor Crest is then revealed to be uh, an N1 starfighter that was, of course, handmade for the Royal Guard and commissioned personally by the Queen of Naboo. So the rumors, the reports from last week from Bespin Bulletin absolutely, absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. It's, it's crazy. I kind of wish I hadn't uh, seen that rumor, that report, because as soon as Din shows up and, and Pelimoto says, I've got a, a replacement Razor Crest for you, I knew that we were about to see an N1. Now, I didn't know how it was going to look. Not surprised that it ends up not being put together at all because, you know, then we get our connection back to season one of The Mandalorian putting together a, a starfighter, a, a ship together with someone else that The Mandalorian trusts. Really cool. Uh, really cool. Uh, let's see. Miss Sunflower says BD droid looks so good in live action. I was very impressed with how the BD droid looked. You, I agree. RFB, Pelimoto, who knew? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that we saw her again. Now, we saw her earlier in the Book of Boba Fett just in a background shot. I thought that was just there to make sure that the audience knew, okay, we're crossing into Mandalorian timeline here. Uh, but, yeah, we, I mean, she's in, it. she's in the Book of Boba Fett episode more than Boba Fett himself was in this episode so there you go uh miss sunflower says pelimoto is the real g hooking din up with the n1 starfighter and dating a jawa yeah dating the jawa that that was something that was something <laughs> pelimoto then kind of talks uh din into uh getting and working on that n1 with the fact that it was made pre-empire so it is off the grid and the fact that it can jump into hyperspace with no docking ring Okay, so then these two begin working together to fix and finish the N1 Starfighter. And this moment is so full of Easter eggs and small reveals. And please let me know if I, if I forget one. I know I'm going to. Like, I know I'm going to overlook an Easter egg, something that you saw that I didn't. So let me know in the chat, in the comments, or if you're listening on podcasts, hop on over to Discord and tell me there because I love seeing, um, I love seeing those easter eggs so bd is helping the two complete the job which definitely gave me even more so um jedi fallen order vibes because you know we get like the the holographic imagery of helping with you know scanning and things like that like perfect perfect jedi fallen order vibes uh and of course you know this, the chat's already kind of mentioned here Pelly reveals that she used to date a jawa did not see that ever coming if you asked me if you asked me yesterday, if I ever, not yesterday, obviously, because yesterday was Wednesday. That's when we saw the episode. If you asked me Tuesday when we did our predictions, uh, Pelimoto's dated a Jawa. If you said, is that a, is that a thing? Uh, I would have probably said, what, what are, why, why, why are we going there? Uh, but here we are. Pelimoto dated a furry Jawa, dated a furry Jawa. And I don't need graphic images. I don't need details. I don't need to know how she knows that. Let's just, let's just uh, leave it at that. It's very comedic. It's comedic uh, relief. Of course, we get scurriers everywhere, which I believe are just like the the rats of um, or the the mice of Star Wars. Really cool. I love seeing those little things. Uh, Pelimoto has never been off world. That's revealed. Not surprised in the slightest in that. She seems like she's been there forever, and she seems very happy to be on Tatooine forever. Uh, the object in the trash compactor. This one was really cool guys i don't know why i got so excited for this one but the object in the trash compactor from a new hope wherever they were um it, whenever han was trying to keep the trash compactor from compacting it that same device is used for this in one starfire i lost my brains whenever i saw that whenever i saw the jawa hand that to uh dinjarn and it's revealed that this thing is a cryogenic density combustion booster i'm always as soon as i watch a new hope and i see that moment i'm calling it that i'm, I'm gonna view that scene differently forever now honestly because i'm gonna think of that thing, I never would have thought that that thing went inside of a ship, let alone was going to go inside of an N1 Starfighter. And I'm not saying it's the same one, but that device, the, the way that that thing looks, that was made for going in a starship. Didn't know that really cool uh, connection. Uh, and then the next thing, and this was probably, I feel like, 
the most connective thing, well, obviously, other than getting Din Djarin into the story, but whenever Pelimoto brings up the fact um, that the Pikes are there, I think that she's well aware of the Pikes' presence on Tatooine and the damage, the destruction, the chaos, the problems that they are that they are causing that was done very intently uh, very intently that was brought up because that is a direct connection as to what we uh, have been seeing in the book of boba fett really really great use of throwing that line in there because now din is going to be aware of it whenever he comes back to to help uh Boba Fett, he's going to be aware that, you know, the Pikes are probably who he's going against. So we'll see what what that entails. All right. Let's see the chat. We've got uh, Miss Sunflower says, don't Jawas look like a beaver or a rat? Kind of creepy. Uh, now we know what that long rod was for. Yes, we do. Joseph says, I like that you can still see Mando's stubbornness, not wanting the starfighter. Yep. But he realizes the only way he can see Grogu is to use this ship. Grogu changes his life. Yeah, Grogu changed all of our lives, right? Like Grogu has forever impacted my life, my future kids' life. Like Grogu's everywhere. He he's everywhere, and people are are eating Grogu up. They're, they're loving him. All right, let's see. That kind of wraps up. That wraps up the things that I saw in this Easter egg filled moments of this episode. Whenever they're building this in one, and then finally, um, the in one is complete. Uh, now, of course, there's still some exposing parts. I think that's probably going to stay there, though, because of the aesthetic. It's really cool, uh, but it's shiny. It's still got a hint of yellow here and there. The Naboo yellow. Um, really, really beautiful, beautiful looking ship. It, it's going to fly off the shelves whenever they decide to make a toy release of this thing. Uh, and I mean, I want one. I want to get one of those things. Uh, and as Din and, and Pelly are preparing to get that in one out for flight, a big, and I mean big, emphasis is made on the droid port being hugged out. 1,000%, guys, come at me and tell me if I'm wrong, but 1,000%, Grogu is riding in that droid port and it's going to be the cutest thing ever it's going to be fantastic it's going to like i said it's going to fly off the shelves whenever you see that toy with dinjarn in the cockpit and, and grogu uh in that droid port it is going to be awesome i'm gonna laugh and be so giddy whenever that whenever that occurs and yes this in one the way they put it together very much so like a muscle car as far as the engine exposed the rattling of the engine the purring of the engine absolutely uh incredible the way that they put this thing together i love that it's it, it still calls um it still calls back to you know the N1 that, you know, Lucas and all of those created, but it, it's also, you know, it's now it's, it's a little own new little thing. So it's honoring the past, but also kind of making it a little bit different and, and making it fit our story. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. Din Djarin now takes off. He takes off on this thing and uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Oh, okay. Miss Sunflower says Grogu will be there eating his macaroons. Yeah. Oh gosh, Miss Sunflower. Yeah, that is that is uh that is gonna be something. That is gonna be something. Uh when Din Djarin takes off on this N1, uh, we flash to so many cool shots, Beggars Canyon and other pod racing track moments and, and visuals are shown. And of course, that made my prequel heart happy. I mean, Phantom Menace is the first Star Wars film that I remember seeing. So of course, I was absolutely thrilled whenever they showed this and I didn't even again crazy that we're here guys didn't even think that this was possible not in the slightest um and I have to say this too and I think this may be a little bit later in my notes but it's natural to go ahead and mention it maybe I'm the only one that thought of this but I think that you know Din with the N1 now has the potential to have so many cool like Top Gun-esque shots and visuals uh, and they even kind of do that a lot, uh, not a lot, but a little bit whenever he gets up in space uh, and you see just like the the planet of Tatooine and the, and the dark, starry space um, just kind of rotate behind him. Gosh, that was so cool. I, I want 
I want a Top Gun version Mandalorian episode now, wherever we're just exclusively in this N1 along for the ride. Come on. And him learning how to pilot even more. Of course, I feel like that's that's what all of this was for. But gosh, that was so cool. So cool to see him in that thing. Okay, so Din does, after kind of all of these cool moments, being on the pod racing track and, and, um, and you know, Beggar's Canyon. And, and yes, this made my heart so happy. Like, like you're mentioning there, RFB in the, ch- in the chat. This is definitely for our generation, for my generation, the ones that grew up with prequels. And so glad that they're doing this. But he ends up saying, okay, you know what? Let's test this sucker. Let's go out to space. Uh, and when he gets up to space, you know, he's, he's doing his maneuvers. He's getting way too close to a commercial flight. And uh, some new Republic Rangers flag him down because he's flying too close to a commercial ship. Now, I didn't think anything of this. Thought it was just going to be two new Rangers. But of course, you know, this episode slaps. It, it crushes it. And it's a banger. It keeps on coming. Uh, one of the Rangers is revealed that it's Captain Karsateva, which is Paul Sun Lee, Paul Sun Hung Lee, Hung, Paul Sung Lee, great guy, great actor, great performer. He, of course, he was from season two of The Mandalorian. Um, liked one of Mando Talk's tweets recently, by the way, which is really cool. So follow Mando Talk at Mando Talk on Twitter and also Facebook, Instagram, TikTok all of them uh really cool dude he's got his own youtube channel where he just talks about stuff so i I highly recommend getting this guy some more and i think we will i think we will uh captain teva then asked den about an imperial remnants incident on navarro due to a razor crest showing up on a transponder log after hearing den's voice and it sounding familiar guys Again, we're going down speculation lane. I'm not saying that this is going to be in the book of Boba Fett, not in the slightest, but um, this here is really, for for some reason, it's giving me Thrawn trilogy vibes, you know, heir to the Empire trilogy, Thrawn trilogy vibes from Timothy Zahn. and it's going to connect, guys. I think this could connect to Mount Tantis at the end of the Bad Batch. Uh, it's going to tell this overarching story of how Thrawn is actually involved. There's a lot There's a lot that you could pull from this as far as, you know, the New Republic is well aware of these Imperial remnants and, and this cloning and this, this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Because at Navarro, this incident that, that he's referring to, um, we see that Snoke-like looking figure in a tube. Uh, I, it's going to be so cool. I'm speaking it into an existence. It, we're going to have a lot. This is going to connect a lot to Thrawn. I hope. I hope. Um, and then, of course, before Din, you know, answers some more and we get some more information about this, he bounces. And when I say he bounces, like he, whoo, he just takes off. It, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Before answering those questions, he does that. And then the Rangers decide not to report it because, of course, who wants to do that? Who wants to do paperwork whenever you can just fly in space? Like, come on. Why would you do that? Just keep on flying, Rangers. Keep on doing your thing. And before we leave the Rangers, I have to say, I d- Okay, I know that the reports and rumors of, of Cara Dune being the main actor for the Rangers of the New Republic series is a thing. Make Captain Carson Deva the guy for the show. Like, come on, we, we got the cool Ranger to do it for. Like, let's do this. I would love to see that series still. And then that way we can dive more so in like these political things that are getting set up. Like, I know that if they try to throw these political things in into the Mandalorian and other things that maybe some it won't be the vibe for some people, but make the Rangers of the New Republic that thing where you can focus on what's going on with this New Republic. What are what's what's really brewing behind the scenes? What's this Thrawn stuff? What's this cloning stuff? What's this Snoke stuff? What's this Mount Tantis stuff like? Come do that with the Rangers of the New Republic. I feel like this little moment here made me feel feel very passionate about that possibility uh, with those type of characters and with that new Republic uh, show specifically, but you let me know what you think of that. Okay. Before we go back to the sands of Tatooine and we wrap up this episode, let me go back to the chat. Um, We're going back to here. So the last one I read was RFB saying that this is a callback for my generation. So miss sunflower says, yep. Top gun vibes with the spinning move. 
Uh, Joseph says Grogu is to Din as Goose is to Maverick. Yeah, love that one. Uh, love that one. Miss Sunflower. But how will Din bounty hunt now? That ship has little to no cargo storage. I'm glad you asked that, Miss Sunflower. I don't think, I don't think that Din is interested in that life now. I, I think Din really only completed that bounty hunt mission to find his covert, the Mandalorians, the the covert that he grew up with that he became a foundling with and outside of that i think he has no interest in bounty hunting i think his his main interest now is to get back to mandalore get back to those waters be completely you know forgiven or, or I, I forget the phrase that they used earlier in this episode i think that's his main objective now so so that's i, I think that is confirmation this the size of this in one uh, that he is kind of out of the the bounty hunting game, which is kind of a bummer. You know, I love those bounty hunting missions, but uh, I, we're on to bigger and better things. On to bigger and better things. Uh, Rafa says the pod racing track. I had tears on my eyes watching that. Like you said, this reminds me of my childhood. Absolutely, Miss Sunflower. This is why I think Luke will be in Book of Boba Fett. That stunt double is there. Was that the stunt double? Is that Second Ranger the stunt double for Luke? Did I completely miss that? Uh, hopefully, Shamook will slay the deep fang. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Miss Sunflower, maybe not to the point of going with Din and Grogu to Tatooine, but a little cameo. I didn't even notice that if that was really, if that was really him. I'm completely, I can't believe that. if that was him, I completely missed it. Tim says, Tim Arnold says, wouldn't it be wild if it was revealed that the Mandalorian forger was actually Omega? It would be wild, Tim, but I have to say, after this episode, I feel like the armor is just too intense to be Omega. And I know that's a big fan theory that that Omega is the armor, but I don't see Omega being that intense and that sh that strict with the rules. Personally, I feel like Omega would just do the right thing regardless. And in my opinion, the right thing when Din Djarin removed his helmet was exactly that. I feel like the right thing to do was to reveal your face to this child that you have grown to love and make that deeper connection. So I feel like that is Omega's character a little bit too. So that's that's why I am not of the one that believes in that theory of Omega being the armor. But if that happened, I would I would definitely enjoy that connection. That would be so cool. That would be absolutely cool. Uh, Miss Sunflower says, yes, the second Ranger is Luke stunt double. Max Lloyd-Jones. So he's there to shoot a ranger scene for a reason. I uh, didn't even think about that. Didn't even realize that or think about that. Well, we might have to discuss that on the prediction episode on, on Tuesday, whenever we do our predictions for chapter six. Ooh, man, that is, that is a, uh, that is a, um, that's something to think about. I'm going to have to think about that between now and, uh, and Tuesday, because there would be a lot of cool things there to hit on okay let's go next uh we are now back on the sands of tatooine uh and of course as soon as din Djarin lands he says wizard it was wizard gosh come on phantom menace let's go let's go uh phoenix shan shows up to then offer din Djarin a job to work for boba fett and finally we've caught up to this connection of getting din Djarin on board working for boba din Djarin says it's on the house since it is for Boba, but he has to visit a little friend first. Now, who is that little friend? Obviously, it's got to be Grogu, right? It's got to be Grogu. Now, I have some internal things that I've been debating as far as what that means for the Book of Boba Fett, and I'll just tease it here, the two options that I see right now, and then maybe we'll discuss more on Tuesday. Let's do that. So, I feel like it's still an option maybe to where Din going off to see Grogu is actually in season three of the Mandalorian, but then there's a little bit of a time jump between now and chapter six of the book of Boba Fett to where when Din comes back, the events of season three of the Mandalorian have concluded and he's now working for Boba. That's just a thought. What do you think? You let me know of that option. That's option one, where Din Djarin leaves to go find Grogu. Um, there's a time jump because that would be then the story of season three of The Mandalorian. And when he comes back to Tatooine in chapter six, hopefully, um, 
there there was a little bit of a gap. So Boba's been more so the prime lord. He's more so the daimyo uh, at this point. That's 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 honestly the option that I feel like I'm leaning toward the most right now. Uh, because I I still don't think we'll see Luke, but I do think we could see Grogu uh, show up. So we'll see. We'll see. But then, of course, option two is I think maybe the opener of the next episode is Din Djarin showing up with Luke and Grogu just to kind of pick him up and, and have a little conversation. And then the series title, The Book of Boba Fett, flashes, and we're off back to Tatooine. That's my second thought. Right now, at least, we'll see between now and Tuesday. And, of course, we'll definitely see uh, next Wednesday. Well... Those are all of my thoughts, but like I said at the top, uh, DJ did kind of send me some of his, so I am going to uh, read some of the thoughts that he sent me, so I know that, you know, I love hearing DJ's thoughts, so I know you love hearing DJ's thoughts, so stick around, I still got some more content for you guys, don't go anywhere, Um, let let me know what you think of DJ's thoughts in the chat, though. Here we go. I'm just going to read them, of course, because he's not here. So I'm just going to read them verbatim exactly how he's how he's got them. And any thoughts I have as I go, as I say them, uh, I'll share them. I'll share them. All right. DJ says the following. Although this wasn't really a Book of Boba Fett episode, more like an episode of The Mandalorian, it served some major purposes that I believe set up the rest of the Book of Boba Fett season, while also setting up season three of Mando. Absolutely. Uh, Din coming into the story was exactly where it needed to go in order to connect to chapter four and chapter seven at the very least. I have a feeling that Din's return to the story won't have much to do with chapter six. Okay, so we're getting into prediction mode there. He's saying that Din maybe won't be in chapter six a lot, but that he is going to uh, show up more so in chapter seven, the finale. Next point he's got, it was the perfect stepping stone. I said to Caleb, it was truly like a novel when one chapter focuses on the main character, but deviates to give some background on a separate character, much like the High Republic novels and Master and Apprentice. At the end of the main story, which in this case is Book of Boba Fett, we will see the culmination of the two storylines converge, which will in turn set up Mando season three. This episode was the best Star Wars content since Rogue One. Wow. Rogue One has held the top spot in my list of favorite Star Wars stories since its premiere in 2016. With that being said, this is the best TV content to date. I will probably rewatch this episode more than any other going forward. Bryce Dallas Howard can do Star Wars for the rest of her career, and I wouldn't complain at all. She knows how to bring a great story to life, and she deserves all the praise she's getting. Final thoughts? I'm looking forward to the eventual team up and throwdown between Team Boba and the Pikes. And of course, we're going to have to get some more thoughts between now and Tuesday um, to see what he thinks as far as like details uh, of are we still getting that magnificent seven group that he kind of predicted in our prediction stream? Um, does he really still believe as we get closer to that date that we're not getting Din Djarin in chapter six, but more so in chapter seven? And it sounds like he's saying that um, maybe there's not a time jump. Maybe I'm trying to read in between the lines there too much, uh, but we'll see. You guys, you let me know of all of those different different things. Um, so, oh, oh, I got another message here. I've got another message here from DJ at the very bottom of my notes let me let me just read glance over this for a second to make sure that i'm good to read this okay okay so it looks like dj was just never mind never mind folks i apologize i apologize it said caleb and then it was kind of a message it was just something that that i needed to read just some personal things so i apologize for that guys i just needed to read it see what was said everything's all great everything's all good though um dj can't wait to have you back those thoughts are absolutely perfect um absolutely great and miss sunflower says absolutely agree with dj all right guys well those are those are mando talks thoughts what are your thoughts let us know in the comments let us know in discord click that link that's in our description uh to head over there and continue to chat with us more so because there's so much more that can be said but we have kind of gone over our hour time slot here because This is such a good episode, guys. I didn't even mention that off the top. 
it's probably my favorite book of Boba Fett episode for sure. And that's sad to say that that it's my favorite one, even though Boba Fett isn't uh, in this episode. But hey, I, I just I'm just calling it how I see it. OK, I'm just calling it how I see it. But uh, again, I am so appreciative of you guys. I, I know that right now with DJ gone, it's just me. And sometimes that might seem like I just ramble and, and go on and on and on. But, you know, it's we it's weird. It's weird doing this hour long show and just talking and, and not talking with anybody else. So I appreciate you being in the chat so much. It really helps me. Um, because this is new. This is uncharted territory. Uh, and so thankful for you guys. And so thankful for the Book of Boba Fett. Let's keep getting some new Star Wars content each week. We got two more weeks. Two more weeks. And Miss Sunflower, you just wrapped it up perfectly in the chat by saying this episode is wizard. This episode is wizard. I agree wholeheartedly. But until next time, of course, on Tuesday, we will do our predictions live at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You'll get them probably same format as, as this previous Tuesday, if I had to guess. Uh, it'll probably be me, and then DJ will send me his predictions, and then we'll get your Discord predictions as well, and, of course, your live chat predictions. But let's get out of here. I hope you have a blessed week, and thank you so much for being here. And as always, we have spoken.